Welcome to a special episode of Experiences of Insight. For this episode, Lee and I traveled to San Francisco to sit down with Kai Haley, Head of Design Relations at Google. For those of you that don't know Kai, her personal and professional body of work is impressive. And for those of you that do, you're aware of her impact in the design community and her work in helping people develop personally and professionally. It was a pleasure speaking with Kai on a number of topics. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And without further ado, we present Kai Haley. Welcome to Experiences of Insight. I'm here with my co-host, Dave Magdaleno. This is Lee Duncan, and we are in sunny California. In fact, we are in San Francisco at Google, sitting with Kai Haley. Hello, Kai. And Dave, you want to say something? Uh, yes. Uh, Kai, um, we have been such a big fan of your work for such a long period of time. And we are, to say that we're thankful and we're kind of in shock to be sitting here with you and having a chance to talk with you um, would be an understatement. So thank you very much for not only the work that you do, but making yourself available um, and helping us coordinate this conversation. Yes. Yes. And if you didn't know, Kai is head of design relations. She's also the leader for the Sprint Master Academy. And we have been very, very motivated to speak with you. We have a number of questions. We're, we'll try to curb our enthusiasm to some degree, but we want to ask the questions that other people have probably wanted to ask you. And we're just very, very grateful. To be here. So do you want me to start with the first one, Dave? Or you want... Okay. All right. So we'll get, we'll get this going. We'll see where this goes. First of all, as a, as a warm up, uh, tell us how your friends or how your family would describe you. That is a very interesting question. Um, I would say that they probably describe me, um, since I don't know for sure, <laughs> I haven't asked anyone to describe me um, directly, um, as a creative person, um, as uh, somebody who um, is social. I like to organize events. Um, I like to bring people together. I'm a bit of a connector. I really enjoy um, building relationships and seeing people build relationships with each other. Um, so I try to do that where, wherever I go. Um, and um, I tend to also be um, a bit of, uh, sometimes I can be a little shy myself, um, but uh, I, I really do get a lot of energy from um, you know, engaging with, with other people and, and helping um, to, to build communities. You know, on that topic of community and how your family and friends would describe you, um, you spend, and as I mentioned in some of the opening comments, you spend a lot of time uh, giving people your time and helping them upskill or be better people and professionals. Have you always been that way looking back on your life? Is it something that, or is it something that you could point to or an experience that you had that really inspired you to get to this point? Because it is a very unique kind of piece of your fiber. And I'm just wondering where that comes from. Yeah, I don't think I've always been that way. Um, I was very shy as a, as a child and I moved around a lot um, in terms of schools and elementary school. So um, i I didn't have a lot of like you know opportunities actually to um, build community or um, you know to do that to sort of 
invest in 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 particular places. Um, so I think I ended up when I was younger being more, um, you know, sort of solo creative, um, focused a little more inward. Um, you know, building my creative skills or 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 I should say. Um, expressing myself creatively, um, but in a more of a solo way. And even as um, an artist, um, you know, throughout my life, I've I've been an artist, but a little bit less in the collaborative space. Um, and trying to remember the moment when I, I really got excited about um, working with other people and helping other people. Um, I I think it did come from starting to run sprints and realizing that working alone as a solo designer, I was um, struggling a lot and having trouble, you know, really being able to push my ideas forward or to problem solve effectively. Um, And when I uh, was able to learn the design sprint methodology and um, uh, use that particular tool to collaborate with people, um, I think it opened up a lot of um, doors for me in terms of seeing the potential for collaboration. Um, I mean, I've always done collaboration creatively in, in school. I got my master's degree um, and worked on teams, but I, I have struggled with teamwork in the past. So I wouldn't say it's something that has been a skill set I've had my whole life. Uh, again, staying true to our goal of asking the questions that no one is asking. Tell us, um, tell us what is the one thing that you like to do for fun that most people don't know about? Well, there's probably a number of things that I like to do for fun that people don't know about me. Um, I I love to snowboard. Um, I love to get out into nature. Um, so I like to hike. Um, snowboarding I like because I, I do love the snow in the winter and um, uh, that, that activity. I don't get to do it as much as I used to. Um, I, uh, I also am a big cheese enthusiast. Um, so I love to... Uh, design cheese plates and to go cheese tasting. And um, that's uh, kind of a, a funny thing many people don't know. You mentioned that you were a shy person. at a, You identified as a shy person looking back um, at a young age. And you mentioned that um, you moved around a lot as a kid. Um, is there a particular uh, experience that kind of maybe shaped you into who you are today or maybe Maybe it wasn't today. Maybe it was in your 20s or at an earlier part in your life. Um, you know, can you point to one or can you talk to us a little bit about um, something that sticks out maybe off the top of your head that um, uh, may have been, um, you know, uh, very influential or impactful in your life? Well, I think I'm. I had the opportunity to try to face some of that um, shyness uh, when I started my business um, right out of undergrad. Wow. Um, a little bit of uh, chutzpah in terms of not knowing what I was doing um, or not knowing how difficult it was going to be yeah. um, to start a design studio, um, but also a lot of luck because of the timing. Um, I uh, was um, I had graduated from Vassar. I had an undergraduate degree in anthropology, mm-hmm. um, and I met a, a designer who had just graduated from UCLA. Um, and uh, we had a friend who's a developer, um, and we saw an opportunity to start um, building or offering complete 
branding and communications packages, um, specifically including websites and digital communications, which not many people were doing at the time. Um, and as a like business owner, <laughs> um, an entrepreneur, uh, I had to get out and um, build business. And one of my roles in that uh, company was actually business development. Um, and so uh, I realized that I would have to actually build the skill of networking okay. and getting to meet new people that I didn't know before and putting myself out there. Um, so I read some books on how to do it. Um, and I actually pushed myself out of my comfort zone um, and, uh, you know, face that fear um, uh, and mostly out of the pure need to keep that, build that business. So I feel like that was a pretty uh, influential time in my life because I realized that 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 was holding me back, mm-hmm. um, and that I was going to need to overcome it to be to to create a successful business. Wow, that's that's pretty uh, interesting story about your first entrepreneurial venture. And um, I would, I mean, just before I hand it over to my partner here, I would like to know when you said you read some books. Do you remember what those books were? I don't remember because it was a while ago. I'm sure there were some pretty cheesy ones yeah. like, you know, um, but things like, wow. um, I mean, basically giving myself a checklist yeah. like, you know, Good. what what do you say to somebody? Yeah. Right. What, like advice on how to ask them, you know, questions and yeah. small talk. And I know it sounds kind of funny, but because I was pretty shy, I didn't really do a lot of that. I was, you know, I, I read a lot. I made a lot of art and um, I, I didn't go out and, you know, introduce myself to people um, that I didn't know right. um, very often, but knowing that um, I needed to make people feel comfortable and I needed to, uh, you know, build those new skills. Um, I, you know, I, I went to the, you know, to the bookshelves and said, yeah. okay, what advice do people have yeah. um, for somebody who's trying to, you know, be, be comfortable in this yeah. space and what can I lean on here? I think that's probably pretty consistent with a lot of creatives and designers where they really like working in the space of developing design, but the soft skills, selling themselves, very, very difficult, extremely difficult. And that's interesting that you had that same uh, challenge. Um, In regards to your background, staying there, uh, professionally, from your experience with uh, working at Creative Services, working at Yahoo, of course, Google. What have been your biggest lessons that you can think of? Maybe a lesson or two. It doesn't have to be professional in nature. It could be anything. It could be life skills, you name it. Is there something that you would tell your or you know, your younger self, your 17-year-old self? What would you tell yourself? Well, one of the things that I did learn in running my own business was um, that um, – it's easy to fall into a position of um, reinventing the wheel or not um, uh, necessarily having a breadth of knowledge of what has come before you. Um, and so when I always, when I look back at that time, particularly, um, you know, my advice to myself was like, it would have been good to do a little bit more research into really who are the people that I really admired who are doing work really well and then going and learning from them. Um, because of the particular time period at that time, um, I don't know there were many people who were um, doing that type of work, you know, um, web design and uh, digital design. So it wasn't like there was a, a breadth or a, of people out there. Um, but, uh, but when I look at it uh, now and I see young people, um, or I think about just building your knowledge, 
um, I think it's really important to spend the time to to see what other people have done and to also give yourself a um, sort of a grounding in the in the what does excellence look like? You know, what are you striving for? Um, and I think that can also help uh, you know help you to make decisions on where to put your energy um, because it can be very easy to get distracted with a whole lot of different things. But if you sort of have a mental model of you know what is what is the best look like? You know, if I'm trying to be the best that I can be, um, and sometimes um, uh, we don't spend the time to kind of craft that own vision for ourselves of, of what we what we what we want to be and what we're striving towards, um, or even to give, I guess, um, or pay homage to those who have done it before um, and learn from them. It's um, it's nice hearing you say that and that's i hope that people listening will hear that and um you know i was thinking about your first experience entrepreneurial experience and i was very fortunate and i think lee was as well right out of school to have somebody give you kind of like the checklist to start with um it really helps uh you get a present yourself a certain way and when it really matters right out of the gates and it's a good foundation to start from. So thank you for sharing that point. Um, I'm interested to know from you now, um, if it's still the same, maybe it's changed over time, but where do you go for inspiration? It could be a person, it could mm -hmm. be a place, it could be, you mentioned your how um, influenced you are and how you like to spend time in nature as well. Um, you know, Where do you go now for inspiration or where do you find it? Well, I do find a lot of inspiration in nature and from reading a lot, whether it be, um, you know, nonfiction or fiction. Mm -hmm. um, I, I guess I do follow my advice a little bit and, and go read. I like to read biographies of, of people who are really amazing and um, learn from them. Um, I, uh, I'm very fascinated by um, creative rituals mm -hmm. and what are the different rituals that people use to um, help themselves to get ready to be creative. Um, and I actually did a bunch of research last year interviewing other people on what their creative rituals were. Mm -hmm. So I find this, uh, I actually in, get a lot of inspiration from asking other people about what they do and what they find inspirational. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, learning from them, I, I tend to look for kind of meditative things to do, mm -hmm. right? Either um, this one comes up a lot, right? Going for a run or going for a walk or doing something where you can, you know, kind of let your brain, the connections in your brain start to form um, or doing watercolor like we did at Sprint Conference this year, which was awesome. really wonderful to have that moment to like mm -hmm. let your brain stop problem solving for a little bit to see what sparks. Um, so, yeah, looking both outside, you know, to nature, but also to other people. As well. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um there's a lot of discussion on mindfulness, breathing, managing your HRV heart rate variance before you go into a creative session, and how do you develop those unguarded spaces, the psychological safety, where you're able to really address a problem. And I've heard some design studios actually will not start work until people are having fun, they're laughing, they're having a, a fun, playful exchange. So I think that's super, super valuable. It's interesting. And I, I also believe I'm sure this is 100% wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think there's a Stanford study out that shows that creativity is markedly increased when you go for a walk. I think they did research and it was something like 40 to 60% improvement in creativity, whatever that means. But absolutely, vasodilation, blood flow to the brain, it's going to make you more creative. Ivy Ross has actually done a bunch of research right. into neuroaesthetics. 
anyone's interested in um, learning about actually measuring the impact of the sort of neurological inputs on creativity. Pretty, awesome. pretty cool. And I'm very much interested, so we're going down a rabbit hole, but I'm yeah, very, very much, much interested <laughs> in yeah. neurotransmitters helping the brain work better. Something that I do for creativity is I'll take chocolate or raw cacao. Helps the neurotransmitters, again, help the polyphenols, allow your body to work well. So anyway, I, I'm trying to actually use nutrients, healthy plant foods, to aid in the creative process. That's something we're experimenting with. Nice. Yes. Great. I take my cues from my, my better half at home. She's a, she's a dietitian and through food and also little biohacks that I've come across over time. Yes. Yeah. Instead of food is thy medicine, food is thy inspiration. Yes. Right. All right. Cool. Well, as long as it includes cheese. Yeah, cheese. Okay. <laughs> cheese is thy inspiration. All right. All right. We're on to something. You heard it here. All right. Um, so we'll bring it back. A couple, couple more questions uh, that are grounded in very important things we want to know. You are a founding member of the Sprint Master Academy. How did that process unfold? Uh, how did it become realized at Google? Well, um, let's see. The first academy was held in 2014 um, in order to build a pool or a group of Sprint Masters for the largest um, sprint that we had done to date at Google's um, for the ads and commerce team, 140 people all brought together to sprint um, in parallel. So roughly 20 teams, I think. And um, the ads and commerce team really wanted to, this was the second year that they had done an org wide um, sprint week. The previous year they'd called it innovation week um, because we were still sort of percolating on the sprint the sprint process, um, and we used a, a version of it. And then this that year, they 2014, they wanted um, to really inject, uh, you know, more innovation into the um, into the org, look for more opportunities, but also create a space for people to take a break from their like regular work um, and work on something new. So um, somebody who was working on ads could go work on shopping for a week. Um, and uh, it's a really wonderful thing. They still do it every every year. They have one week where you you go and, and sprint on a um, sometimes moonshot ideas, sometimes very, uh, very tactical um, challenges that teams are facing. And so in order to meet that need, um, Nadia Dierkova is one of the people um, along with, I think it was like four other people, Jenny Gove, Molly, um, I'm not going to remember all their names right now, Dave Wright. Um, and they all came together to put together this first curriculum in this first class. So I was part of that first class and um, uh, was really, really excited. I raised my hand the minute I heard that they were going to be training people because I'd been in the previous year. Um, and then from there, um, after that, we um, took a, a, that group continued to um, offer this training, though I, at that point we were we were offering like three a year, I think. Um, and I, I also raised my hand after that to start helping training and building the curriculum. Um, one of Nadia's incredible superpowers is she um, is able to inspire people to come and contribute time and volunteer and work. So she kind of brought this group together, all volunteers, um, with support from leadership, of course. But uh, at that point, the training program was pretty much just led by this group of, of people who 
um, were really passionate about it. And today it still is led by people who are very passionate about the methodology, um, mostly because each one of us individually had seen what it could do in our product teams um, and what it could do, uh, you know, in order to drive alignment and create innovation, you know, all those wonderful things that sprints do. You were mentioning Nadia's superpowers. So how going kind of maybe along the lines of our first question about how friends and family see you or any feedback that you have or any concept that you might think are certain superpowers that you have that are stronger, that are kind of self-evident and have made you, however you choose to define successful or you feel very strongly about, what, what are those superpowers? Well, I think... I, I mean, I tend to think of my connecting people as a, a bit of a superpower, um, making making space for people to um, to connect and to to learn, um, to be creative is one of those things I really really love. The moment when when people start to embrace their own creativity and, and have ideas. So the uh, you know the ability to lead or bring people. To a place, right, where they they can um, really excel themselves and um, uh, enjoy, you know, really have those sort of creative moments um, in problem solving. I mean, I love problem solving, but I also love bringing a group of people to a, a moment of, oh, that's the thing, that's the idea we need to invest in. Um, that's what's going to solve this. Um, so that excitement and that energy um, and you know, I'm I'm very good at listening, so I tend to think of myself um, as you know having that superpower, building back to my um, my anthropology background in terms of being very curious and interested in other people's cultures. And um, when I mean when I say that, I mean we all have different cultures, whether you know in our work environments or um, you know in our our communities. But being able to understand what's important to people, what their values are. Um, and how to support those things or um, help them, you know, build and find those meaningful moments. Um, those are things that I, that I care about. Um, not sure if it's exactly a superpower, but <laughs> um, uh, I really, I really like, you know, I, I truly believe that everybody's creative and everybody um, is able to, um, you know, contribute meaningfully, you know, to solving important problems. Great. And I think you answered the question we were going to ask next, which was, what are you radically curious about now? Feel free to extend on that. Um, but also, another another thing we want to know is what what are some of the major things that take up the bulk of your day in a normal week? What are you spending time doing? Do you want me to answer the second whatever, one whatever, first? Yeah, those are choose your adventure. Choose one. your own adventure. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, I'm I'm radically curious about humans. Uh, abilities to problem solve together. <laughs> um, and I say that because while it's something that I'm, I believe that we have that capability and we do, we, we can come together and solve the big problems that we face today, there are a lot of things holding us back there. Um, and uh, m my curiosity right now is, is how much can we bring sort of different perspectives and multidisciplinary approaches to some of these big problems, um, like climate change, for example, and um, what does the you know what does the the tools that the tool set that we have in the product development and design community what can that offer in other places? 
Um, so that's something I'm I'm really curious to see. Um, can we can we bring these you know can we bring this as a superpower into new places? Um, and uh, can we overcome our own sort of limitations with that? Um, that's one of my curiosities in terms of my um, my weekly activities. <laughs> um, I would say each week is different, which I love because I'm one of those people. Routine kind of is. is I don't. I don't thrive on routine. I actually thrive, thrive on variability um, and new taking on new challenges every week. So um, I would say in a given week, I might be planning a sprint or running a sprint. Um, I might be planning an event of some kind, either a training or a you know um, a talk or or an opportunity for people to come. Um, and engage with design topics. Um, usually busy helping my team, keeping them, um, you know, supporting them so that they can do really great advocacy. Um, and then, of course, meeting with my stakeholders to make sure that um, we're meeting their needs and um, they're happy with everything that we're doing. So it's a combination of, of things. Um, and hopefully somewhere in there getting some exercise and some sleep and eating good food. <laughs> keeping uh being mindful of the things that really matter in life right and spending time with my children <laughs> what really matters cool um you know and we have to ask because it's such a a big deal from our perspective and where lee and i sit you know what was your experience like with google io 2019 and i know from our conversation before that you have some other involvement and it wasn't just 19 can you tell us, speak to us a little bit about that experience and your involvement, um, the impact uh, it has to the organization? Uh, we would love to hear about that because, as I said, initially, we're super fans of your work and we would love to hear about the experience. Yeah, IO is um, is amazing. It's a, a very large uh, conference focused on the developer community, um, but it is... Uh, a really fantastic moment for um, Google, you know, our product teams and our, our to connect with that audience. Um, my team uh, supports the design track there, so we um, we help uh, identify what are the topics um, that are going to be valuable to the developer community. We help to shape those topics so that the content is really relevant to developers. We also um, support design events as well. So, um, you know, we, we, we like to engage and we focus on engaging with the design community, but um, uh, IO is really specifically for developers. Um, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's a high-profile event, so everything has to be um, absolutely the best it can be, uh, very, very well um, crafted. And we get a lot of great support at Google to do that. Um, but, uh, it's definitely, um, a high pressure moment and, um, lots of, lots of people are watching. So, um, it's, uh, it can be in, in personally for me, it has been definitely an opportunity to a growth opportunity to push myself maybe out of my comfort zone a little bit more. Um, you know, I would say my, actually my first real speaking engagement was IO, uh, 2016, where that was the first time I'd spoken in front of an audience that large. Um, you know, I had speaking engagements before, but the, of this of that scale. 
Um, and uh, it was it was a true, I mean, it was a real honor to be able to do that and to be given that kind of trust um, to share uh, the work that I'm doing in design sprints with the developer community. Um, and uh, I I don't take it lightly though, because it is it is not um, it uh, it's not necessarily easy, uh, especially for me to get up and speak in front of a large audience. So um, uh, I w- it's a great experience, but um, definitely um, one that um, it takes a lot of a lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, courage is important, and I think also it was validation that your work was important, and uh, they you know they they uh, selected you to give that message. I think that is great. Also, on some of the work that you've been involved we have seen the sprint process of prototyping voice experiences. And I think that concept is very current right now where people are trying to figure out how, you know, should they customize a design sprint? When is it time to design sprint? to do a design sprint is the same number of days is include all the normal steps. Could you help us understand what is your creative process for developing new sprints and knowing when it's time to develop a new sprint? It's a, that's a great question. Um, I feel like I'm always sort of developing new sprints, but um, what, when is it, what does that process look like? It usually starts with um, a particular sprint that, uh, you know, or a, uh, a goal we need to um, we we need to help this partner to um, develop a voice experience for for example with H and M um, we need to help them um, to understand this process and to create a prototype uh, for for our platform so it usually it starts with a need um, that I see um, and the the assessment that first that a design sprint is the right tool. Because that can often be the confusing part where, um, you know, somebody says, we need this outcome, we need to run a sprint for it. And then usually I go, hmm, let's make sure that the design sprint is the right tool for this outcome. Do we have a number of people that we need to bring together to align on it? Um, Is there, uh, you know, enough research about the end user that we're, the audience that we're targeting, um, that we're going to be able to be effective with this framework or this format. Um, so once I've determined that actually a design sprint's the right tool, then I have to look at how do we design the sprint to get the outcome that we need. Um, and I always like to say no two sprints are the same. So we're almost always designing a new sprint. But I start from uh, like a baseline template that I use or, or not template, but like agenda, right? Structure. Um, and when you've had to when you have to adjust it's enough like significantly enough that it feels really quite different and there's some key moments in there like with voice prototyping that's when you that's when I would start start to identify okay this is something that needs to be documented for other people let's pr- test it out a number of times so create the model and then test it over time to see that it works um, consistently because the goal of being able to share a model or a framework is that this is something that you can then use and consistently get outputs. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the testing, I think, is really important that you've done it a couple of times. Um, and before, you know, working out kind of the kinks of, of how does this actually work? Um, I know people have been talking about an immersive design sprint 
Like, what do you do when you're prototyping VR or AR? Um, we've got some folks at Google doing that and outside too. So I'm very interested in what does that look like. Um, I've also been working on vision sprint models right now, which is visioning work is really different than existing product work. Um, new product work is really different from existing product work. And the end goal there is to give sprint masters more tools, really, and to help them learn from what we're doing. Um, and ultimately to kind of address that thing about reinventing the wheel every single time, right? So like I was saying, there's we don't want people to have to reinvent the wheel every time. If you see, if I see people doing the same thing over and over again, that's when I say, oh, this is an opportunity. Let's make something that people can use. Um, and the vision sprint model came from this where, you know, in office hours, we host office hours here and sprint masters come to us and say, I'm working on this thing. Can you give me some feedback? How would you, you know, how would the sprint look like? What do you think about my agenda or what should I look out for? When you see enough of them come in to say, oh, we need to build, you know, we need to create a resource. Um, that's that's where that comes from. Um, you, I, I will say that um, there's always this, a bit of like nervousness, like, you know, well, it worked these times. Are we sure it's going to work again? Um, and you can never be absolutely I never recommend somebody just run something straight out of the box. Always, I always um, advise people to be critical thinkers. When you look at that, if it doesn't work for you, you know, think about the areas that it doesn't work and how you need to adapt it. It's a it's a starting point. I think about it as a starting point in order to help people. Kind of out there question, but I think you'd be interested. I'd be interested to hear your feedback. Um, of anybody that you've come across with or maybe you've heard about or somebody has told you about some of the work they're doing, is there anybody out there that you could think of that you, under whatever pretense you could define it, however you wanted to define it or be engaged, you know, who would that person be and uh, what would you be working on or what, you know, what would your engagement or how would you guys be working together or people be working together or groups be working together or well, I mean, I think anybody who knows me has probably heard me say this um, before, but um, I think the work that Tom Chi does is absolutely amazing. Um, he's one of the most inspirational people to me. Um, and if I could attach myself to <laughs> any project he's on, I would. Um, and I certainly volunteered my time to him before. Um, he is really focused on using all of these skills to solve really critical problems right now, like climate change. Um, and... Uh, I would love to be involved in those kind of things. You know, um, a lot of that kind of work ends up being very technology focused, like designing underwater robots to rebuild coral reefs and things like that. Um, but uh, I, I think that his work is is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm also a huge fan of Daniel Stillman. I think, as you guys know, um, I absolutely love his approach to um, you know training facilitators and um, uh, helping people to build their own innate sense of um, who they are as a facilitator. Um, so, yeah, I always love working with Daniel um, and uh, working on programs where people get to build, you know, their own skills and, and build confidence in those skills. Daniel definitely is an amazing person. I like how he designs conversations and he has so many facilitation methods. You learn something Every time you come across one of his posts or, or hear of him. And also Tom Chi, tons of talks on YouTube. 
I, one I think is how we're all connected, really diverse perspectives on the world, how to innovate, speeding up the loop with prototyping. Those are, to be quite honest, that's an area I'm looking at very closely is how do we speed up the loop? How do you learn faster? How do you prototype quicker and cheaply? So that is an area I'll tell you I share similar. I, uh, I like, yeah. I, I don't know if you caught the piece where he talks about his upbringing and how he basically, his childhood, he was not a native English speaker and the impact of like sensory learning for him like early on in his life and like how, you know, he was just so advanced with regard to that aspect of learning and that's just the way he chose to absorb things. It's really fascinating. I came back from the Sprint conference a couple of years ago and as I was joking with Lee, uh, after hearing his speech like and just being exposed to him, it was almost like I was going back to New York and cussed a little bit. And I remember the first morning I was home, I, my wife and I have a routine of getting up at 4.30 every morning and getting the kids ready and getting the house ready and before we start our day and um, played one of his uh, speeches or one of his talks. And uh, she's usually a pretty uh, critical judge of things, and generally speaking, and I appreciate that. And this was one that she could get on board yeah. with. And we're, so we're super fanning hard right now on Tom Chi. And I will tell you, everyone at work um, <laughs> hears me say all the time, smart people have smart reasons for their guesses. I say that over and over and over. And that is such a common issue is where it's meetings can be a guessathon. You really have to test, test things out. So, so many quotes and moments of inspiration from Tom Chi. All right. Um, tell us about your personal roadmap over the next couple of years? What are some things that you're thinking about? What's on your mind? Well, I would really like to make more time to focus on uh, solving more of these really critical problems. So, and I don't mean to like bang the drum on that, but I think where I'm personally at, and I have been talking about this for a while, is figuring out how, how and where I can provide the most value in this space of um, taking on challenges like climate change. Um, I'm particularly interested in the new plastics economy yeah. initiative um, and looking at things like how do we remove plastics from the environment or um, you know how do we de redesign our systems differently so that we um, don't rely so much on single-use plastic. Um, so topics like that, where, where can... Um, design thinking design sprints design have have the most impact um and what can what can i what can i bring to that um that's that's my own personal mission right now um to to look at how how i can and help i mean i have two kids like you and um you know it we're at a, a pretty crazy point in time and so yeah. um it's one of those things where i i really do feel like this is something that we should all be looking at and addressing. And I think everyone's talking about it regularly, but um, how do you find the path forward um, in whatever your particular career or role or skill set is? I think having kids uh, recalibrates the sense of urgency and importance because you see the world they're going to be getting. So you're, motiv you're motivated to, to make a difference and have an impact. We've also experimented with circular economy types of sprints. How do you make things more regenerative? That's an area that I find fascinating. And I, I have to go a little bit off script here and ask you, how do you find the time to keep it all together? Going back to our conversation about how you find 
you yourself spending your time throughout the course of a week, given all those things that may interest you or be a drain on your time or require you to, you know, be focused or scheduling things. And I know, I know you mentioned earlier that you also like variability as well. So how do you keep it all together? It's a bit of a juggling act. Um, I, I try, I try defensive calendaring, like manage my calendar very, very tightly. Um, and I, I think it's very easy to be ruled by your calendar if you're not careful. So, uh, trying to be realistic about my time and, um, make time for myself in the week, um, to, to do the things that I need to do or to go, you know, be at my daughter's play like last Friday, 9am, got to see her on stage, saying her lines, um, making the time for those things, um, which thankfully Google's a great place to work. It's got lots of flexibility in that regard. Um, and you know, that work-life balance ends up being my own responsibility, um, which I think is, uh, you know, it means it's my responsibility. So I have to, uh, set the, you know, sort of constraints around, um, you know, when am I working? Um, and sometimes that means getting up really early, like you're yeah. saying, and trying to, um, you know, make up the difference or staying up late. Mm-hmm. Um, but being very aware that uh, I have to set limits um, with uh, with my with with everyone in my life to a certain degree, mm-hmm. you know, in order to protect my own my own needs and time. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not easy. Not always successful. We have a Blade Runner question. All right, sort of, but not really. What is help us uh, appreciate the direction that the Sprint Master Academy is going? What can we expect? Or what are trending? What interests you? What is the general sense of direction you would like to take that in the future? Well, I think it's an inter- interesting question. Um, always, what does the future hold? Um, and I, th- when I think about um, design sprints in general, not just the Sprint Master Academy, but um, uh, building the capabilities of people to run design sprints. Um, I, I think a lot about two directions. One is like really investing in sort of the Uber Sprint Master, right? Like how do we really build incredibly talented facilitators? Um, and today inside of Google, it's not a role really. You're not like a sprint master. That's not your job. You're usually a UX designer or a UX researcher or a UX engineer um, or a UX PGM. And then on the p- certain part of your work, you'll do a sprint, run, run a design sprint, plan it. But it's not a key role. It's not like, oh, this is what I get up and do every day. Um, so what if? What if that was your role? Would you burn out? <laughs> Would it be too much? Is that the best way to optimize? Um, and I know some places like Home Depot and other companies are are really investing in building these facilitators. Um, so on the one hand, I'm very curious if we went that direction, which is to um, really hone this skill set. Um, or the other direction, which would be how do we make everybody capable of doing this to a certain degree, which is like the democratization of design sprints. Um, and then do we need the Uber facilitator if more or less at any point in time someone understands what a design sprint is, how to run it, and how to plan it? Um, I'm curious about both of those potential directions um, and what they might offer us. Yes, the industrial grade design sprinter is quite interesting. Blade Runner, Blade Runner. I like it. Blade, Blade Runner. Runner, Blade Runner. Um, 
I had a question and bringing it back and hopefully these questions um, were, were not too much for you. Um, and what I mean by that is now the question that I have for you uh, hopefully brings you back to probably your centered self you were before you met us at reception today. Um, what sparks joy for you? Well, it's hard to not reference your children yeah. or the really truly the most joyful things in life. Um, that's very kind of cliche, right, to say that. But um, whenever I am having a particularly hard week or feeling very frustrated, um, they can always make me feel better um, to a certain degree. Um, and but with with that particular dimension, um, it's amazing to see their creativity and amazing to see the way that they sort of enter into the world or their perspective on the world and the what what they I mean my daughter's an incredible artist um, and lives in a world of um, lollipops ice cream and donuts and I love to see those drawings when I'm having you know one of those rough days and it's like everything's rainbow um, and everything's sweets and um, you know what an incredible world to live in <laughs> um, so you know, that those very delightful, sweet moments. I mean, I love baking with my kids. Um, I love cooking with them. And, uh, um, you know, those are those are really creative moments. Um, and also, um, you know, very, very sweet to, you know, make a dad joke. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think that is all the questions that we have. I'm sure we'll think of a few as soon as we leave, immediately after we leave uh, here today. But where can people find you? I am on Twitter, at Kai Haley, and I'm generally pretty good there. If uh, I, don't, I can't guarantee a flood of tweets, but you can certainly um, find me there. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, and um, uh, I do have a website, um, kaihaley.com. So uh, not that, that it's regularly updated in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but uh, yeah, feel free to follow me. Um, and uh, I'm, yeah, I'm here. Kai, um, on behalf of the Experiences of Insight team, thank you very, very much for having us here, giving us your time, um, entertaining our questions, sharing with us uh, your experiences. Um, can't say enough about the work that you're doing for the community, people, everybody. You're an inspiration to us all. We're very appreciative. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you continue to follow our episodes in the future. Have a nice day.